This time on Whatever We Want, we talk about every single animated Disney movie. We are going through every era of Disney animation and determining what the best time for Disney movies was, or is it yet to come? There are time codes down in the description if you like to jump around to different points in the episode. We talk everything from Frozen 2 to World War 2. Enjoy! Welcome back to Whatever You Want, where we review content across all means of media, movies, TV shows, video games, and beyond to give you the most interesting behind-the-scenes insights, storytelling techniques, all that jazz, and more. We go over everything from Disney, Marvel, DC, so without further ado, let's jump right into it. You ready to talk about some Disney animated movies? Yeah. Again? Seems like we're doing that a lot. <laughs> this is a little weird because we're recording this like a little out of order because I'm trying to get ahead for when one of my friends comes to town. So we're recording this right after our last like animation episode, but this will be coming out like a little later just because I wanted to like space it out, you know? Yeah. So uh, today we are talking about, like we said in the intro, every single animated Disney movie ever. So I kind of... I've been on like a Disney animation history kick where we mm-hmm. like I've been just researching a lot about like the different eras of Disney and I think it's really interesting yeah. Disney like his film historians like which sounds lame but it's not trust me at least to me <laughs> but uh maybe it's lame to everyone else but film historians like break Disney into like different eras of like movies and it, and you it's I think it's pretty cool to see and like it totally makes sense like how they're split up so I just want to like run through all of this and kind of give like a brief history on the different eras of Disney animation because it's interesting because it definitely informs and in, like how it led to each era and like what it led to today and I want to talk about like rank the eras like what we think the best era was has Disney peaked does it have the potential to rise again talk about all that stuff just debate it I, li- I like talking about animation and that stuff so yeah and I know your animation like animation as well yeah it's funny so, yeah. to talk about this, actually, because, like you said, you've been going, like, deep into Disney, but, like, I've been thinking about it more recently. I'm, like, I'm surprised you didn't get into animation yourself, like, doing, like, animation work specifically. That was one of the things. I have considered that, and honestly, I think all of this, not all of this, but a lot of it, I, th- I think a lot of things have been coming together to get me interested in animation again, like Puss in Boots, and then, like, the whole corridor, like, anime, rock, paper, scissors, and just their whole show, Animators React. Mm-hmm. Like, actually, I think there's probably documents somewhere, but, like, years ago when I was deciding, like, people were asking me, like, what do you want to do in film? I, I didn't really want to, like, lock myself down. I wasn't sure. I always said, like, either VFX, editing, or animation. Those were, like, the three that I was, like, I could see myself doing something in here. And I applied to, like, mm-hmm. a few Pixar jobs, I think, but I just ended up in VFX for now. Like, I never know... You never know what's going to happen down the road. I don't want to lock myself in. I want to be like a jack of all trades, but also somewhat specialized, you know? So, like, figuring it out, which is why we're talking about animation. So, yeah, I don't know if this would be interesting. I think it's also interesting because some of this Disney lore, as I'm going to call it, ties into, like, uh, DreamWorks and spawning some of the other things. And I'm listening to, like, this crazy audiobook. It's, like, a 25-hour audiobook called Disney Wars, and it's about the Michael Eisner regime and... Mm-hmm. how he came and revitalized animation. Then there was a falling out with him and another executive, Katzenberg, who then branched off and formed DreamWorks. And we've talked about that a little bit. But yeah, so we're going to talk about a little bit about that. But I just want to go through each like era and kind of determine, like talk about the movies from each period. So you ready yeah. to jump into the first era of Disney animation take, ever. Take me back, Jake. So, warping what? sound effects. We're going back. <laughs> it's the 1930s, the Great Depression. Woo! Great times. I'm just kidding. It's not great times. Mm. But, um, uh, so, yeah, Disney, like, was founded, I think Walt Disney founded, Walt Disney and his brother, like, Roy O. Disney, I believe was his name, founded, um, like, the Disney Studios in the late 1920s. I think it was, like, 1920. 
nine or something like that they formed disney and then uh they actually created like a character called oswald oswald yeah oswald yeah. who was like not like mickey mouse but i think he was like a bunny as well the yeah, rabbit, rabbit or something like that yeah. yeah and um that was like gonna be like mickey mouse of the disney animation studios but i think it was just getting started and didn't know any better so the person he made the deal with to create Oswald, like had some legal loopholes that basically meant Walt Disney signed away the rights to Oswald to this other guy and he wouldn't give the rights back. So Disney couldn't use Oswald in any future animations, even though they had kind of started making a name for themselves with Oswald. So they're like, oh, mm -hmm. that kind of sucks. So then they created Mickey Mouse to like do something completely different and that stuck. And actually pretty recently, I think Bob Iger was the one who finally got the rights to Oswald back. Like, within the past 20 years. Yeah, no, they got the rights back a, yeah, a while ago because I remember there was a game that came out. It was like the... Yeah. It's like on Wii or something like that. But I think that's crazy. It, it took almost 100 years. It took, like I think, like 80 years. For He's the avatar. The rights back. Yeah, yeah. the avatar. And when the world needed him most, he vanished. And then he returned. Bob Iger is Sokka, confirmed. <laughs> Yeah. Oh man, that's funny. But yeah, so that was like the 20s and I think Disney did a lot of like just commercial work and just creating little shorts and animations because there was no, no feature length film animation until no. almost 10 years later uh, after Disney was founded, they created Snow White. And that is the first film in 1937 that starts the mark of what they call the golden age. And that goes from 1937 to 1947. Mm -hmm. And that includes, and I think this is a golden age. It's a good age. So that includes Snow White yeah. and the Seven Dwarfs. Pinocchio, Fantasia, the first one, not Fantasia 2000, Dumbo, and Bambi. So the, that's the lineup for the Golden Age. I didn't realize yeah. Pinocchio was the second Disney film ever until pretty recently. Yeah, but no, it, it kind of, it's funny because like it almost seems like it'd be like just pre-Renaissance. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it feels like, I feel like it's like a timeless classic so much that like it feels like they spent a lot of time refining their craft and they landed on this because it's so good. So I think that's a testament to how good Pinocchio was, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. What do you think about these films in the golden age? I mean, they're, they're classics for a reason. I mean, they they yeah. were innovative in the way that the animation was done at the time. But obviously, there's still a lot of room for things to grow. And I feel like they realized that um, as they started getting to like the later uh, stories. Because there, there's things just creatively and artistically that they wanted to do. But things were pulling them back. Yeah. Which I believe will probably take you to your, your next transition i guess <laughs> my next transition well yeah so i mean the the golden age i think was a good time because there's a lot of creatives and artists and they just kind of kind of do whatever they wanted like at the great depression when did the great depression end i guess it was kind of world war ii depression yeah pretty much that kind of what's that's the war was what, like what got people out of the great depression was like 1939 yeah or like i guess ending during world war ii 1941 well that kind of marks the next period of disney which was 1943 to 1949 which is actually called historians call it the wartime era yeah dude there is some crazy stuff yeah. from disney in there yeah well basically what I mean, i'm sure you know but like what happened i didn't really know this until again recently i was like looking at it i was like, it's kind of interesting was that like all the talent and like creatives the animators this is back in the day so like there weren't really like female animators it was like a bunch of white dudes like young white dudes who were the mm -hmm. creatives and animated animators they all were of age that could get drafted so they got drafted to World War II instead of animating. So Disney was pretty strapped for talent. So the films that they kind of churned out during this period, a lot of people like arguably are to a very much lesser quality. They were propaganda. Yeah, and they were also doing a lot of propaganda films to support the wartime effort and uh, like sell bonds and support in like that way, which I think is really interesting, but also it's just completely totally different than like the golden 
uh, era. Yeah, it's funny. It's like the story of, of Captain America, the first Avenger, but with Donald Duck. Disney, yeah. <laughs> Dude, I, I, I don't know if you've seen some of those old animations, have you? I think There's I've seen, ones... like, clips, but I haven't seen the full ones. There's been ones where, like, Donald was like impersonating hitler of as, what like a stage thing yeah dude and like do you know was, what that one is called i forget what it's called but it, it was like dictator duck maybe or or something like that i feel like that's be along those lines but dude I it was freaking know. it was like what the f- yeah it's weird to think about because like like you see that now as like a cartoon and you're like okay that's disconnected but when you find out the era that it was made and you're like oh that yeah. was made like before hitler like died and all that you know you're just yeah. like yeah my god like it's interesting yeah it's it's just it's crazy but yeah so the u.s entered world war ii i think like 1941 end of 1941 and then bambi came out because it was already like in the pipeline 1942 and then the wartime era started with saludos amigos in february 1943 uh this era included saludos amigos the three Mm -hmm. caballeros is that what it's it's pronounced yes i think some yeah the three caballeros uh make mine music fun and Mm -hmm. fancy free melody time and then the adventures of ichabod and mr toad and i think it's just interesting like none of these i like know as like classic so it totally like there was definitely like a dip at least in long-term classic viewing yeah and i also don't think disney like often like wants to promote these wartime movies you know no because there's there's a different connotation to them and different purpose to them for that time so yeah there's no really reason to i mean it's archived a lot for like people like me who actually had like the animation education background Right. Um, so you said a couple of those. I'm like, yeah, no, that that sounds. Familiar. Some of them I know I've yeah, yeah heard just because like I've come across them like looking up stuff and, but I don't think if I was not in like film I would ever have heard of these. Yeah. I'm looking up the adventures. Yeah, they, it's still like on Disney Plus. The Adventures of Ichiban and Mr. Toad. And I think like I think these might be some of the ones. And I know they even did this for Dumbo, but I think some of these might be some of the ones where they like heavily censor a lot of the stuff. Oh, on definitely. Disney Plus, because a lot definitely. of it is a product of its time, um, unfortunately. Um, but it's interesting. Like, I, I, it's interesting. That's also an interesting, like, very different debate about like censorship versus non-censorship. Like, I understand Disney Plus is. I think it would be interesting actually, because Disney Plus is like for kids, but now they have like with all the Marvel Netflix stuff that came over, they introduced the new like adult kind of parental settings you yeah. can include. I think it'd be interesting to include the non-censored versions of these old outdated films on that adult version just for the simple purpose of like learning from our mistakes because like i truly am a believer that if you don't study history you're doomed to repeat it and i think just to see like okay this is bad like i don't know if censorship i I, I think it should be there i agree i think it should have access to both yeah Um, censorship is just a whole other issue the whole other podcast yeah i don't know if that should be on disney plus so i think it might maybe should be like an archive that's allocated that like it's open source for people have access to but i don't like you got your mind too business business but yeah disney has to make money and stuff they're trying to not be canceled in today culture there's third ranking there's like kids regular disney plus adult and then like propaganda unsent disney plus uncensored or something (laughs) like that (laughs) but but dude here's here's the thing though there's censoring still going on with some of their animations that so even that did like say like Lilo and Stitch well like, even like Strange World I think they or maybe it wasn't Strange World I, it, there was like a debate over Strange World if they were going to censor the the like queer relationship in other countries so that they could get a wider audience I oh, don't that think they the did time, that yeah happens... but I think that's interesting that it's still just a debate yeah. today yeah it's it is crazy I mean you know it's other people's cultures you know and that's that's kind of what sucks about it is like if yeah. they're 
it's, I did not expect to get into censorship discussion on this well, Disney no, but, history, but, but it's, it's interesting it's, and it's, it's important because it. it changes yeah. over time. Yeah, and and it's it's something to where if your different cultures are your audience, right, or different people from different cultures are you're going to be your audience. So it, and that's a big part when it comes to any kind of media that you're making is like you you have to make it for a specific audience, and if there's not a reach there, if there's a disconnect, then they're not going to be happy. And really, ultimately, that you're trying—that's what you're trying to do. Just make sure your audience and your consumer is happy. is happy. Yeah. 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 It's interesting in this in this day and age. All right. So yeah, that ends with the adventures of of Ichiban and Mr. Toad. I personally don't know much about the wartime era myself, just because I don't think it was one well documented because the focus was on World War Two, and yeah. also like. Uh, it just like it was kind of like a low period and like not a lot of his me- memorable films. I want to look into it more. Um, I kind of want to find kinda... the Dictator Duck one just so we can watch yeah. it as a meme. That might be the. Um, I'm wondering if that's part of the three caballeros. That could be the three. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. that I'm looking at like this poster and I think Donald is on that. Yeah. So and I think also the three caballeros. That is interesting because that one is I believe in Epcot. I think the like Aztec or like in mexico like the aztec like temple i think the ride is featured around the three caballeros so they stick around there i remember that like they've seen i've seen them on that ride somewhere in epcot so it's interesting that they're still around but i don't <laughs> see them really much anywhere else but yeah <laughs> all right next we've got the silver age which is 1950 to 1967 so that starts with cinderella and ends mm-hmm. with the jungle book so just i'm going to run through everything that's included here we've got cinderella Alice in Wonderland, Peter Pan, Lady and the Tramp, Sleeping Beauty, 101 Dalmatians, The Sword in the Stone, and Jungle Book. I think this is a good era of classics. It definitely is. And you can see, too, that they're kind of experimenting a little bit more with t- styles of animation and, like, what kind like of looks going for. What do you for. mean? Which, which films well, are you talking like, about? Like, take, take reference to, what was it, 101 Dalmatians? Like, the background oh, yeah, yeah. designs are immensely different visually compared to, like, what yeah. other previous animations there were. Right. I think I think you probably know this, but I think like I was actually reading in that Disney whatever Disney War film. I think, or maybe it was an it was another video. I've been on like so many YouTube rabbit holes about this starting around this era of Disney, and mm-hmm. I think 101 Dalmatians. There's actually a lot of controversy around it because I think this was around the time that computers were very very early like starting mm-hmm. to get developed, and it, like this came out in 1961, and so they were trying to experiment to see if they could make any process easier, and they were always experimenting. Disney was always experimenting. Oh, yeah. That's what I admire about them, especially in the early days, about trying to make things better with like the different cell animations or whatever, but um, I think 101 Dalmatians was like the first one where they used like a a new technique to color in all of the spots and the like shading of the the dogs yep. and you can definitely see it like it, it looks distinctly different than the earlier films and it's a little a lot of people especially in inner disney and like i think roy e disney maybe said he was a nephew of roy o disney and he's a big player later in the years but uh i think he said that it looked a little like cheap because it, it didn't have like the artist touch to it there was a lot of grain and like some moving roughness to it which honestly kind of gives it a little bit of charm looking back but like back then yeah. it was kind of seen as like dirty and trashy and like a different well, way of animating it, again it also depends on the perspective right because yeah, as yeah, yeah. as an artist or an animator you're seeing it like that and you're understanding the process and then yeah you're saying you know it's off because right. of that but, but as a consumer who doesn't know that it's different and it might be cool to you it just looks different and it has different stylization so yeah exactly so yeah it's funny how that perspective can make people think and view things different yeah. ways but that process did like save them a ton of money and i believe they oh, yeah. did refine that and use it in like later films but I, because they said like it would have been 
millions and millions of more dollars to just hand draw every single dot on every single dog. So it's cool that they were like doing that. I don't know. I, I like the innovation, that little tidbit about 101 Dalmatians. When do, when do we get into the multi-planar camera? Is that like right before the Renaissance? Or is that before? I, the multi-planar? What do you mean? Like with the multi-cell like perspective? I think Pinocchio, they started doing that. The multi-planar camera is when they have the vertical camera. Like It's it's like literally the size of a whole room. Yeah, I think that was put, I think that was really early they developed that. I, think, I really? thought it was Pinocchio. I thought it was I Bambi. Believe. Either way, that's years ago. That's still the golden age. Maybe yeah. it was in the golden age. I know, but I'm just thinking about that. Like, I think that's important to, to let me bring Let up. me look this up, Daniel. His, history of Disney. So, so for reference Disney. for our audience, right? Um, the multicellular camera, you can think of it like this. You have a camera that's pretty much the size of... It was started well, in 1937. <laughs> yeah, dude, that was, that was the year Snow White came out. They started experimenting with that, like, right after Snow White or right during Snow White. Interesting. So, and the way it works is to create a parallax effect so that way you can have things like the background moving uh, slower and then like your foreground elements moving a little bit quicker so you can create parallax to actually make things look like they're moving. It pretty much fakes camera moving in a in a scene with 2D elements, which is actually pretty, pretty powerful. Uh, and they use it a lot. Oh, dude, I just found like a historical document or like some sort of history on the multiplanar camera. It was first used in the old mill you know that old yep. it's like an old mill short film that disney did as like a test in 1937 that's pretty cool yeah i love this stuff dude all right but yeah so i was 1937 and like the this era the cinderella silver age era started in 1950 so they were definitely using yeah, definitely it by this point it. well they yeah yeah still using it but yeah advancing even more yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think these are solid. Honestly, out of these, I think they might have started dipping a little bit. Like, I know 101 Dalmatians didn't do too hot. I think it's still considered, like, a classic. The Sword and the Stone, I feel like it's talked about, out of all of these, probably the least. Out of, like, Alice yep. in Wonderland, Cinderella, Peter Pan, Lady and the Tramp, The Jungle Book. But I still, I've heard decent things. I think it's a good film, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think this is a solid era. What are your thoughts on this era before we move on? I think it is a solid era, but I also think it deems... Uh, the Silver Age pretty well as a title. You think it's um, still lesser than the Golden Era? Yeah, lesser than Golden, less definitely lesser than Renaissance. Even Cinderella? Yeah. Wow. Actually, I agree with that. Cinderella okay. is like arguably the peak of the Silver Age. Um, yeah. And not going to lie. Yeah, I, I could I, see that. I would have considered that. Well, that was the first one of the Silver Age, right? Yes. I would have considered that Golden Age. Time. Well, yeah. no, no, because it's it's time period, you know. Like I know, I know. I'm just saying, it's not like you wise. can't. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, oh, I got gotcha. you. Like what if, I'm saying. if it had, if we're not looking at time, that's like the quality of like a golden age movie kind of thing. You're saying, yes, exactly. Gotcha. Okay, I understand. But yeah, but no, this is broken up by like time, and I think yeah, I, yeah, I totally get you that. can see it like breaks up in time pretty well. But I would consider yeah, base. I mean yeah, basically the options for this for Cinderella since it's on the edge were wartime and Silver Age. It's definitely not wartime. It's like a silver. So yeah, I <laughs> I agree with their ranking there. But um yeah, so the sword in this the Jungle Book was the last one. Then we jump into the Bronze Age, which is. 1970 to 1988 and yep. it starts with the aristocats ends with oliver and company and i will run through all of these but i just want to mention this is where things get a little muddy and interesting at least from a history standpoint because 1967 i think the quality of the films like the jungle book was again like a good period but also in 1966 i believe it was let me double check yeah 1966 the end of ni- very end of 1966 was when walt disney died so this next yeah. era the bronze age is the start of 
Disney without Walt Disney, which I think is a huge turning point in quality and just Disney figuring out what the heck to do in the direction of how to move forward, you know? Yeah. No, definitely. It's them like trying to figure out like what he was like the leading creative force. Yeah. Like what, what's going to be our direction and like, how do we keep on moving forward? Yeah. So, yeah. um, yeah, they started the bronze age. The bronze age was the Aristocats, Robin Hood, the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh, the rescuers, the Fox and the Hound, the Black Cauldron, the Great Mouse Detective, and Oliver and Company, which I think is a decent, solid batch of films. Like, those are all ones I've heard about and yeah. seen a lot of them. I don't know if I've seen all of them, which is probably bad. I probably should go back and watch them. But I don't know if, like, I, I think some people would call them classics. I think people, like, in the general public might not consider them classics, you know? Yeah. Jake, I'm an animation student, and I haven't seen all of them, so you're good. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> okay. But yeah, um, out of those... Aristocats, Robin Hood, Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh, The Rescuers, Fox and the Hound, Black Cauldron, Great Mouse Detective, Oliver and Company. What are some of your highlights? Aristocats and, and uh, Robin Hood and Winnie the Pooh. I think Winnie are, the Pooh, are, I was going to say. I think yeah, Winnie the Pooh is a classic. Yeah, definitely. All the way. I feel, I forget the which one. The Ewan McGregor f- version, of course. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, totally. <laughs> He's a time traveler. <laughs> oh, General. Honey. Have you seen, have you seen the, general, the, the, the General Grievous like edit of that? No. It, it's, um. What? It, but you haven't seen that it's like christopher it's you mcgregor's christopher robin and then like Pooh walks up to him behind the bench and he's like hello Pooh," and then Pooh like step, steps out and, and like lightsabers ignite he's like poo, 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 poo. Kiss, kiss, kiss. General Kenobi. it's winnie the pooh holding like four lightsabers it's so funny dude that's so funny i could see that i could see that being like a meat canyon freaking animation dude that'd be so freaking anyways funny. yeah so but yeah i think this is i don't know these the bronze age i think that's a very fitting title it's like not great but not yeah. bad like third place is respectable out of like the gold silver bronze ages you know yeah uh when it comes to the animation though weren't they also mimicking and taking some animation from pre- previous projects like i, I remember seeing yeah, like people compare like so. like jungle book jungle book winnie the pooh yeah yeah there was something where they like took yeah i think i think again this is one where like they were, I think they were struggling financially with a lot of things. And I think this was also around the time that Walt Disney World opened up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, it's interesting. I actually, I looked up a lot of the history on the CEOs themselves. So, like, after Walt. Well, technically, I don't think Walt was ever CEO. I think he was, like, president. But once he died, like, Roy O. Disney, who was already CEO, but kind of took on the responsibility that Walt had. Roy O. Disney, o. Disney the brother that co-founded it. He was the first CEO and was... CEO just for a few years, starting in the Bronze Age. He he retired right after Walt Disney World was finalized and opened in nineteen in nineteen seventy one, and then he actually died two months later. Damn. And then after that, uh, Don Tatum was the CEO from nineteen seventy one to nineteen seventy six. He was the first non Disney member to be non Disney family member to be CEO, and he helped a lot with the Epcot construction and then starting Disney's goals with uh or like helping Disney's goals with. The construction of Tokyo Disneyland or Disney World, mm-hmm. whatever it's called. Then E. Carden Walker started as CEO of 1976 to 1989. I think it's interesting because he actually started at Disney in the mailroom back in the 30s. Then he was drafted to World War II, then came back after World War II, worked up in the ranks of Disney, and eventually became Disney, uh, the CEO, which is just crazy. That's, yeah, he also yeah. founded Disney Channel. So thanks for oh. that, Card walker so it's just crazy also i'm just listing all these off these are all still within the bronze age so i think disney like ran through a lot of ceos and was kind of trying to find their footing like what the heck's going on at this point yeah um then ron miller became the ceo who was walt disney's son-in-law which is interesting this was apparently this is a part 
this is where the book started that I've I've been listening to. So I'm like a little familiar on this. But Ron Miller was apparently like a football player at USC. Like mm-hmm. the, there's a school that's like t- 20 minutes from me. And then he met Walt Disney's daughter on a blind date at USC in college. That, so honestly, that's a really important blind date. You That led to him becoming CEO of Disney. Like, wow, that's a lot of pressure. That's freaking crazy, dude. Yeah. But yeah, so he played football at USC. And then Walt Disney, I think, went to like two of Ron Miller's games when he was in college and was like a little nervous and like upset and didn't want Ron Miller to like be playing football because he didn't want him to get hurt. And then not be able to take care of his daughter. So he was like, well, hey, why don't you work for me at Disney instead? And that's how Ron Miller got started at Disney because Walt that's Disney didn't, so freaking crazy, didn't want dude. him to get hurt. And then eventually he became CEO like years later after Walt's death and everything. So that's just I think that's just a crazy way to become CEO. Yeah. Um, it's also weird to think about too. I'm like, get hurt. Like people get hurt in football. But then I'm also thinking back to like that time where they had like less like, equipment yeah. and all that. I mean, now it's yeah. bad still, but like back then, yeah. Yeah. Um but yeah, like because he started out as a football player, though, a lot of people in Hollywood just saw him as like a dumb jock. Mm-hmm. So he wasn't really treated with the most respect. So he was CEO from 1983 to 1984. And he actually created, what's interesting, is a subdivision of Disney called Touchstone Label, which is still around today, I'm pretty sure, um, which is like basically a subdivision of Disney, but without the Disney brand attached to it. And it's where Disney would create other films like more adult non G rated kids films so mm-hmm. that because a lot of people in Disney were like, didn't want to expand into like more PG films back in the day mm-hmm. um, because Disney had this brand of like kid energy associated with it, but they were, felt like they were losing out a lot of money. So Ron's Miller solution and his like regiment, they created a whole new division called touchstone pictures or touch the touchstone label and they created all of their like live action more live action films that were meant for a more adult audience under this label so without attached to disney so that it didn't tarnish the brand and i think that's a really genius move honestly no, it really is smart it's like hey i understand what what our appeal is so if you want to change our audience here we can also just change up where we're coming from and then go from there yeah touchstone pictures i believe it's still around yeah founded in 19 19- 84 by Ron Miller. I wonder what films they've done recently, but I, I think they've done like a lot of hmm. good films. That they did Nightmare Before Christmas. They just did The Light Between Oceans in 2010. So, or 2016, I think. So that maybe Interesting. Not around. I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to look up Touchstone Films ranked. They did, is there anything? They did Lincoln in 2012. Oh. Who They, they, did, they also did Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Mm-hmm. So yeah, some good films out of this venture. Oh, they did The Help? Oh my gosh. Dead Poet Society? Yeah, that's a good one. The Prestige? I need to watch that still. Okay, anyways. Yeah, so that, so I'm just saying in this whole era when everything was like, it was just a weird era of a lot of CEO changes. So it makes sense that maybe the films suffered a little bit in quality. But because of that, Roy E. Disney, the guy I mentioned earlier, who is Roy O. Disney's son and Walt Disney's nephew, kind of was getting upset that he felt like the Disney brand was not living up to the magic that it was set out like originally was back in the day and so Mm -hmm. he started a save disney campaign and actually pretty much like did a takeover and overthrew uh ron miller as a ceo and replaced him with michael eisner and frank wells who michael eisner was the ceo during the disney renaissance which is our next era and then uh ron frank wells was the president at that time they were kind of like co- running the company for a while and yeah. this is, is like really interesting but yeah so i think michael eisner kind of came in 
towards the end of the uh, Bronze Age. I think, yeah, 1984 was when I think Michael Eisner came in. Then it took a few years for them to kind of get out of that slump. And the Disney Renaissance started in 1989 when The Little Mermaid came out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Disney Renaissance is the Disney Renaissance, dude. From Little Mermaid to Tarzan. We've got Little Mermaid, Rescuers Down Under, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, Lion King, Bocanus, Hunchback of Notre Dame, Hercules, Mulan, and Tarzan. Arguably, I mean, it's tough because this w- these were the films I grew up on. So these, to me, are like classics, you know? Yes, these definitely, yeah, no. I mean, obviously, because we're the same age, I totally agree. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but th- they also hold their own comparatively to Golden Age uh, Oh, 100%. Well. I mean, this. I think the technology is better at this point, but the mm-hmm. stories, I think this was interesting because I think they figured out a formula for like bringing Broadway to Disney. Like they brought in, I think we talked about that in our TTTT a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, like that one composer who like were kind of creating Broadway musicals out of these animated films. Like I know Disney films in the past had music, but this one was like more of a grander production. I feel like. Yeah, no, definitely. Not just like one off, like solo, like uh, we're fairies and we're in the woods and we're fairies. <laughs> That's Sleeping Beauty for those who don't know. <laughs> But yeah, dude, this was a good time. This It was interesting, though. Not Everything wasn't great. That, that, that's what the, the main point of this book I'm listening to, this audiobook, um, Disney Wars. It's about the Michael Eisner regime. And mm-hmm. basically what happened was like Michael Eisner, Frank Wells, they were the two running the company. They used to work at Paramount Pictures years before, and they had kind of taken Paramount out of, Paramount out of like a lump and brought them to like be the top studio, I believe, for a while. Yeah. And then so Roy E. Disney, like I said, uh, he overthrew like Ron Miller and brought in, helped bring in Michael Eisner and Frank Wells as the heads of Disney at this time for for the Renaissance. Then Michael Eisner brought in Jeffrey Katzenberg, who is a very interesting player in the story. But he, Jeffrey Katzenberg, worked under Michael Eisner for like years at Paramount as like his, I don't know, like assistant, like number two kind of thing. But he was like a grinder, go-getter, like would do anything for Eisner. He he was often, literally people referred to him as a golden retriever. Like he had so much energy and was just willing to do every any, everything and anything because he wanted, he knew Eisner was going to succeed and he wanted to like be there with him and hopefully yeah. use that as a chance to like excel his career as well. So Jeffrey Katzenberg was brought in to run the film division of Disney um, and specifically was working in animation and worked alongside with Roy E. Disney. So they, they were kind of, it's weird. They were kind of like, partners-ish i guess for a while it's a, it's a little confusing a little cloudy things were going well for a while like they had a little mermaid the uh, beauty mm-hmm. and the beast aladdin and then i think lion king was actually jeffrey katzenberg's idea and uh so he kind of treated it as like his baby and things were going well katzenberg was a little aggressive throughout this whole process and as he was getting more successful he was getting a little more aggressive and like wanted more but also things weren't being met in his contract because basically in his contract, I don't mean to like get too much into this. I think it's really interesting, but in Katzenberg's contract, like he was promised like 2% of all gross um, profits above a hundred million dollars for like films that he helped produce. And that mm-hmm. was like a thing that was unheard of at the time. They were like, this will never pay out. But then the Disney Renaissance like took off. And mm-hmm. so much so that like he was owed like a hundred million dollars or something like that, but he wasn't like getting it. So he, there was a little bit of tension there with that, uh, which is, I totally understand. And then uh, 
Katzenberg again wanted like a lot. He wanted more and more, and he wanted to be promised. He wanted to be Eisner's number two if anything were ever to happen to Wells or Wells would retire because Wells was a little older and had been talking about wanting to retire and either get into politics or just like climb mountains because he was like very big into outdoor activities. And mm-hmm. so Katzenberg wanted that assurance. And Eisner, it's a kind of a whole he said, she said, whatever thing. I, Eisner is, there's accounts that he like, hinted at or alluded to maybe said that yes Katzenberg will be you'll be my number two if anything ever happens to Wells thinking nothing would Mm -hmm. happen and then Katzenberg was like okay great that's some good assurance for me unfortunately then in 1994 Frank Wells did actually die like he was in a helicopter accident because he was like a big outdoorsy person he passed away do you know this story am I just like yeah, there. you are okay. kind of just yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I like I like talking <laughs> it's, about it because I'm just no, learning I, about it. I, yeah, no, but it's it cool to hear again. Yeah, the refresher, and I think it's also cool for the audience to hear too. Yeah, um, thank you. I appreciate your patience with this. Yeah, but yeah, so Frank Wells then passed away, and um, in like a helicopter accident, and Katzenberg then was like, okay, well, I'm gonna be number two, and he kind of waited for like. A little bit of time like he basically waited like a weekend before saying anything and and mm-hmm. while eisner was figuring everything out and then eisner kind of just never talked to katzenberg about it and then like issued a press release saying that eisner himself was just going to take up the responsibility of frank wells for now so he was just going to be the sole person at the top then kind of went to like a dinner with katzenberg and pretended like nothing was wrong and katzenberg kind of like flipped and was like yo like you promised me that i was going to be president like and i'm trying to be like whatever like i want to respect everything at this time but like you did promise me like is this ever going to happen or do i not have a future here like have i hit the ceiling and eisner kind of had already been having tension with with katzenberg because of how aggressive he was with uh animation and just like in general about trying to go get it and get everything like there's a lot more to it that i'm simplifying but um eisner was like what do you mean like just give us some time like Frank just passed away, like, whatever, like, I never promised you anything, and Katzenberg was like, whoa, like, you actually did, and so there's, like, there was a divide that happened there, and that's about to the point I'm in in the book, but I eventually do know then that there was a falling out between the two of them. Katzenberg left Disney and then went on to form DreamWorks to spite Disney, which is why we got ants like we were talking about because it was kind of like a big f you to disney because they were working on a bug's life so they were trying to undermine that how we also got shrek because it's like just basically spitting in the face of all the disney fairy tale tropes yeah so that's kind of where the divide came from that led to those films so i i just find that whole story fascinating but um at this time, though, we were going through the Disney renaissance, which looks great from the outside, but when you peel back the layers of the executives, maybe it wasn't so great from the inside, which I think is interesting. Peel back the layers, like Shrek? Oh, it all comes <laughs> back, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, there, there definitely is a lot of interesting history there. Um, yeah, sorry, I know I, I think, just talked forever, but <laughs> I, I know, know you did, but you, you kept it very well. That was it. actually, I can say that was a very good recounting. That was the Disney renaissance, like 1999, and then things kind of fell off in the turn of the the century with 2000 to 2009 which is called the post renaissance era yeah um, which started with fantasia 2000 and yeah. it goes all the way through the princess and the frog so that includes uh fantasia 2000 which yep. is considered like a failure dinosaur also considered a fa- failure your favorite the emperor's new groove that um, dude that should be in the renaissance honestly that's again i i understand quality, what you're saying dude. like quality yeah. wise because but i understand but like the, with the time yeah, period yeah yeah, yeah. No, I told, yeah yeah and also it like i think at the time like it didn't do as well as 
Disney would have wanted to. <sighs> but 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 also that's not I don't think it's a fault of the movie. I think it's a fault of Fantasia and Dinosaur having tanked. Yeah. And also at this yeah. point, we're getting DreamWorks now and we're getting competition. So it's pulling yeah. like Disney's starting to not have a monopoly on everything, you know? Which I think is another huge factor. Um, yeah. like at this, especially back in the Renaissance, like Pixar was starting, so we're starting to get other animation studios. So Disney's kind of having to up their game, which I think is a good thing. But yeah, so then we've got Atlantis, the Lost Empire. I don't think I've seen oh, that. Dude, yeah. You think good? you have? I, I ha- no, I haven't seen that. I don't think that's another classic, dude. All right. Yes, you, you need to see that for have, for the yeah. story, the world building, the mix of the animation, because that was one of the ones where they started using a lot of three D elements oh, okay. for like, specific assets, which is pretty cool. Yeah, dude, that was that was killer. Yeah. Okay. We've also got next uh, Lilo and Stitch. Mm-hmm. I love this one. This might be one of my favorites from this period. Treasure Planet, which I also have not seen yet i i know i need to see it's, it it's it's it has its own cult following because like yeah some people hate on it a lot Other i have heard like, that i i love it i personally i love it for like the world building and all that stuff that's that's like that's that's where i touch my soul yeah um, um people could suck it okay <laughs> next we got brother bear i like brother bear a lot i know it yeah. gets mixed reviews um we've got home on the range we've got chicken little another one i like mm-hmm. i like the soundtrack remember bops bops from flops that's that one. Oh my god! Uh, yeah, Meet the Robinsons, which I think is Disney's first 3D animated fully. Oh no, maybe Home on the Range is. I'm pretty sure know. Home on the Range would be. Yeah, uh, but Meet the, yeah, Meet the Robinsons was also pretty good. I That's kind of all over the place. Like I think I loved it as a kid, it, then I watched it again later, and I was like, "This is a weird movie." <laughs> yeah, no, it definitely was a weird movie. Going back and watching it, but like I feel like the way that they had the vi- like the villain arc was good. Yeah, I think the, yeah. that's one thing I do remember. The villain I think was good because it it was the kid. Spoilers: the kid that then like grew up and like time travel and everything, right? <laughs> yeah. Spoilers for this like yeah 15 year old movie. Um, <laughs> then we've got Bolt. And then wrapping up with the princess and the frog, which Dang, really? I feel like there could be an argument that that could be the next era. But I understand why they made the cutoff to the next era, yeah. which we'll talk about. But yeah, so that is the post-Renaissance era, 2000-2009. I think that's a good string of movies. This is also the time where we're like children. So it's interesting seeing a lot of the ones pop up that I remember watching now as a kid. So I'm starting to get into nostalgia territory and need to like separate that from like, is this actually a good movie kind of thing? Yeah, no, totally. I agree. But at the same time too, there is like some writing that was just really well done. Yeah. Um, and that's another reason why I like Emperor's New Groove. Like again, the nostalgia is there, but just that away from it, like the, I'll, this sarcastic type of writing in that was peak. Yeah. Very much peak. I, I think a lot of these are not classics in the way the old Disney movies were that we Agreed. were talking about as like classics, which I think was the issue because at this point, I think Bob Iger took over as CEO about halfway through this era in 2005. And a big thing he says in his memoir that I read is that the reason he knew we needed to change something with animation was because he went to like a, a parade in Disney and realized that there were no characters from the last 10 years that were Disney characters like in this parade, like all the characters from the were like the classics like cinderella snow white mm-hmm. sleeping beauty uh, the little mermaid the lion king creatures whatever and then anything after like that was like pixar characters like woody and buzz monsters inc uh the incredibles all those films that had come out and yeah. then, and that moment he said he realized like okay these pixar guys they know what they're doing and that's what's kind of got the gears turning for him 
for the Pixar acquisition. And that ultimately led to the Pixar acquisition, which led to him taking John Lasseter to Ed Catmull, who were the heads of Pixar, and mm -hmm. ha having them run both Pixar and coming in and replacing the management at Disney Animation and having them run both, which I think Princess and the Frog was the first film that was like fully produced by them that came out and then Tangled, which was next and started... Yes the revival period which is the last period currently that we're technically in it could be argued that we're in a new period now but right now the revival period 2010 to present is what we're in and that's mm -hmm. when like the new management happened and we started getting a lot of what i would consider again more classics like tangled frozen big hero 6 utopia moana those kind of films that i think were definitely an uptick in quality from disney animation in my mind what are your thoughts on yes. no, the revival and it's also because in the revival we were seeing the transition largely into 3d yeah um, and using that technology to leverage uh the storytelling in a much different way and it's very interesting to see too because that only did that make things easier on animators in some aspects but also made more challenges as you're they had to learn pushing like into kind that of unlearn yeah. and learn relearn a lot of techniques it's interesting yeah. that like that's how long it took disney to like jump into that foray that new age like disney i think was known for innovating but like they didn't really like go all in with 3d animation until really tangled was like like i said like the start of like okay they were like they found the formula even though that was 2010 toy story mm -hmm. was the first 3d anime movie 1995 so 15 years later it took them to kind of like really commit and it only they only really committed once bob Iger brought in the Pixar see like guys who were already fully committed, you know. What year did you say Tangled was? 2010. When was Monsters Inc. University? Monsters, you know, Monsters University. There's no Monsters Monst Inc. Yeah, University. Whatever. I think 2013. <laughs> yeah, 2013. Really, that's interesting. And the reason why I'm bringing that comparison up is I'm thinking of OpenGL because that means Untangled that all the shadows and lights. Oh shoot, were like hand hand done. Oh my gosh, that's like, impressive. Like, like think of like the lantern scene. With like the reflection wow. of the waves. And, That's why yeah. I think Disney has the artistry and like that classic understanding and the experience. So maybe that helped them a bit. I don't know. Yeah. That's interesting. But that's a very interesting point, yeah. But yeah, sorry, just to go through, run through all the films that are technically technically in this revival period. We've got Tangled, like I said, then uh Winnie the Pooh, Wreck It Ralph, Frozen, Big Hero Six, Utopia, Moana, Wreck It Ralph Two, like Ralph Breaks the Internet, Frozen Two. Raya and the Last Dragon, and Kanto, and Strange World. And I think it's interesting. I think Moana, after Moana, there's like a cutoff. Because then we've got yeah. Wreck-It Ralph 2, Frozen 2, Raya and the Last Dragon, and Kanto and Strange World. I think Encanto's good out of all of those. But besides that, those other four, I think are not great. And could argue you're in like a another decline period kind of thing. I, I, I agree with that. It, it's something to where... Like, I mean, we've been talking about this before on the podcast. Like, there needs to be a change for the yeah. media again. And I'm happy we're seeing that again, like, with Spider-Verse. Now with Team NT, dude. I'm so excited for the Team NT Mutant Mayhem. Um, yes, dude. Like, pushing this style to be this blend between 2D and 3D. Uh, really, again, to push the storytelling in a way that can feel more natural, but also has its own unique style to it. Yeah. Do you think we'll ever, like, Disney will ever get back and get to their peak like it will innovate again i feel like they've really kind of lackluster only not if innovating. they are able to take more risk that's the thing yeah they're they're in the formulaic spot right now it's like okay this is working numbers wise but again if if we get to a point where they get to such a decline that the numbers aren't there then they need to then innovate in order to create and cause that change you know 
I, I agree. I think that Disney, just looking at all of these trends, it seems like they go up for a while, then they kind of stagnate. They're like, life is good. And then something else comes along that's like, okay, now they're old news. And then they, it looks like they innovate again and, and like kind of do great, then kind of fall down. Like I, I'm thinking like the wartime era was like not really their fault, but then like the Silver Age, and then they kind of dip in the Bronze Age. <laughs> no, the wartime era yeah. was definitely their fault. <laughs> <laughs> Disney called World War II. You heard it here first. No, just oh kidding. Uh, then like you innovate again. And, and like in the renaissance and they kind of dipped down then they brought in pixar and innovated again for at least a little while the revival and then i think they are kind of dipping again with these recent films i think disney is like such a big company that it's hard to propose new ideas within like that organization and like break away from the old but they've shown before that they have the ability to do that so i don't think it's out of the mm-hmm. question that they could do it again i think it's going to be tough though no i totally agree but it's not even that it's not the idea generation i feel like that that's technically one of the easy parts. It's the, it's yeah. No, I'm not talking about idea generation. I'm talking about like accepting new technology and innovating in that sense. The artistry side yes. of things. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's what that's what I was gonna say. And and also just like how we're a good story out. I feel like their stories haven't been too great. Besides Encanto, I liked Encanto recently. Yeah. All right. I want to ask you. I want to ask you what era of Disney animation is your favorite. I want you. I want to ask you to rank all the different eras oh, of Disney animation. That's tough. I have mine, but uh, we like we can go from worst to best again, if possible. From worst to best, okay. Yeah. So I'm going to run through them all again. Bronze is going to be the worst, I think, because there bronze was the least the worst. number of like hits in that time. You know, like there there's some good things that came out of the bronze era, but it wasn't like whoa, peak. really? Yeah. Why? Where do you have bronze? Wait, right, let me guess. You're putting the whatever the the posts. No. Not post. It's a post-post Renaissance one. Wasn't one the Renewal? The Revival? Revival. Whatever. I think Revival has some great ones in the early days. I'm confused about why you... I have the wartime at my bottom. Oh, yeah. I don't even know why I was... (laughs) (laughs) Good point. Very good point. Dude, Dictator Duck all the way. (laughs) Yeah, no. Yeah, wartime's at the bottom. Sorry. I totally blanked on that. I do. That's the point. Like I didn't even like process yeah. that. Like I wasn't even including that. Um, because I don't. I don't see it as like like media in the same. It's like sense not of, an era for you. You kind of thinking. No, because there's there's a different purpose behind it, right? Yeah. In a lot of cases, so not for all of it, but in a lot of cases, then I yeah. would say say bronze. Mainly okay. the ones in the Silver Age again, so I can break them up. The Silver Age has Cinderella. Cinderella. Alice in Wonderland. I think. Hold on, I'm trying to find it. Uh, Alice in Wonderland. Peter Pan, Lady and the Tramp, Sleeping Beauty, 101 Dalmatians, Sword in the Stone, Jungle Book. I'm going to say... I think Silver Age is really good. Renewal. It would then be... Revival? Revival. The, yeah, okay. it's bad. I just don't... The only only good one that came out of that in my... We opinion, have very different lists. It would probably be like uh, Tangled. After that, Silver, Gold, and then it's a fight between Renaissance and Post-Renaissance interesting i have a very different list than you okay so at the very bottom i have the wartime era because like i don't think i've seen like any of these all the way through which makes sense like and like everyone was drafted to the war and was like doing propaganda animation so it's not again like nothing substantial or significant in my mind at least duck all the way yeah (laughs) it's also a small selection only like six films the next after that i have the bronze era they're not like the worst films there's definitely some good ones in there i just think everything else is better, better. and more yeah. memorable to me yeah i totally agree. totally agree this might be a shock 
I have the golden age next as my no, third from the bottom. The, I think I know what your why your list is different. It's because yeah. you, you don't have a connection to those same films because you, you they're from a different era. Yeah, I'm not sure if you spent like, so much time watching yeah, them. Yeah, they're they're like really they're older films. It's been literally uh, like a hundred years for some of them almost. And mm -hmm. like, they're great films. It's also, again, not a huge selection. Like there's Snow White, there's Bambi again, very great films, but I think they're from a different time. And I relate to these other films better. Cause I grew up in the different time, you know, mm -hmm. in a different time. Let me ask you uh, this. Yeah. Cinderella or Wreck-It Ralph too? Uh, Cinderella. <laughs> well, Cinderella is not in the golden age, so I'm good. I know. I'm just preparing for yeah. your next pick the next pick i have is post-renaissance actually so um like the 2000s because i think i think what happened what i think and this is what happened with with a lot of kids i think you watched a lot of the disney movies like growing up from like the early 2000s i think because disney had competition and this happened a lot which is what led to bob Iger to like buy pixar i think parents they took a poll and like a lot of parents from the early 2000s when they were asked to choose between Pixar and Disney as like what their family perceived as more family friendly and which way they would gravitate towards. A lot of parents chose Pixar. And I think my family is probably even subconsciously one of those families that just gravitated towards Pixar. Like I remember a lot of those early 2000 Pixar movies way more than the early 2000 Disney movies. So like, I don't remember like a lot of them. I think some of them are great. Again, Emperor's New Groove, uh, Lilo and Stitch, all that stuff. But there's a lot in there that I haven't even seen or like resonate with me too closely. So that's my reasoning for that. So your 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 argument is ignorance. Got it. Part of it, <laughs> but also I just think that's part of it. Yeah. So that's so post Renaissance, like the two thousands and everything. That's a that, bro. I told you we're gonna have different lists. It's okay that we have different keep opinions. On, keep, keep on going. Keep on going. Next, we I have the revival. After that, um, I, uh, okay, dude. Like, I'm sorry. I, just, you, you go. Specifically, I keep on. Sp it's very specifically. The first part of the revival. I am not a huge fan of the second part of the, re the revival, but like I, I think it's really just awesome. And I also think I like the story behind how the revival happened with like Ed Catmull and John Lasseter coming in and like revitalizing, like reviving Disney animation. And I think these mm -hmm. two are also very like this last era and this are very close. Like, um, but I really I do like I think Tangled, Wreck It Ralph are are very strong films. Big Hero Six I like, Moana, Zootopia. Even like Frozen, I always, I think it was overhyped for the time, like it, when it came out, which brings it down is a little annoying. Oh yeah, I forgot big, about Big Hero Six. But I think just is a solid film, so I I do have to give the revival that spot. And then after that, I have the Silver Age of Disney actually as my number two, um, just because I think these are classic films and are just really good, have stood the test of time with generations and me, and the fact mm -hmm. that they've done that more so than like post Renaissance, for example. I think it, they deserve to be higher in this list, like Peter Pan, freaking Cinderella, Sleeping Beauty, Lady and the Tramp, Jungle Book, all those ones. And yeah. then finally, I have, I mean, I think this has to be my top. Freaking The Renaissance Man has amazing films. It's called The Renaissance for a reason, and it's earned that reason with like Little Mermaid was my first crush ever, Lion King, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, all of those, Hercules, like. That is such a solid era of Disney, like Disney's heyday. You girl, you're just like, she's not have fish. Yeah. No. Yep. That's my kink. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> but yeah, so. It's a solid that, list. I can respect it to a degree. That is a brief history of Disney animation. Whew. 
I enjoy that. I, I apologize. I think I was talking a lot that episode, Daniel. You were. You're just... kind of just. You were. You reminded me of my one professor from college. As uh-huh. like as if I was like in a lecture, so it did bring back some memories of that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I hope it was somewhat enjoyable. But no, it was one of the classes I liked, dude. So it was oh, okay, good. that's good. Yeah. I'm a teacher now on Disney. Well, <laughs> uh, well, yeah, yeah. Actually, no, I can say that if I'm if I'm a TA and a student alumni mentor, Yay. I can say that you are and you, definitely the audience, a teacher. Are our students? <laughs> <laughs> There's a quiz, pop quiz now. What years were the Disney Renaissance? What colored my underwear? No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that was everything I had. Anything else you wanted to add about the brief history of Disney? And no, I think that anything? covered it pretty well. Uh, we also, just so you guys know, we talked about—I mean, obviously—but we talked about just specifically Disney the films that were under the Disney animation animation umbrella. So, I mean, there's a lot more films. Like we said, we mentioned Touchstone Pictures did like live action features. Who did the Rocketeer? Rocketeer. Uh, I think that might have been another Disney. Rocketeer Studio. It's owned by Disney. It's on Disney Plus. Because Disney basically created two like b- sub branches to do like more adult films. They did Touchstone Pictures and I think like Hollywood Pictures. Yeah, no, I'm pretty sure that was Touchstone as well. It says Touchstone. Okay. Distributed by Walt Disney Pictures, Walt Disney Studios, yeah. Motion Pictures, and then Touchstone. Um, it's a smart way to do so, it, so you don't tarnish the Disney brand. Yeah. But you still get the money. <laughs> For those of you that know the Rocketeer, you are, you are gods. That's all I'm for say. yeah for the for comments please like leave a comment what you think the like what your opinion is on the best Disney like era or like maybe some of your favorite Disney films were like oh what what era do you think is like good are you agree with our list disagree like should the revival or sorry should the post Renaissance be as low as I put it kind of thing early two thousands I think I think you trashed on it and that's I feel like Emperor's New Groove and Lilo and Sis just on their own bring that era up I think those are two solid ones and Brother Bear I. And Chicken yes. Little, like I love those, yes. but I just think the other ones I slightly like more, what, what, which is uh, what, okay. Uh, eh, eh. What other ones? I told yeah. you, bro. I think. No, um, no, I thought you were gonna say what other ones. I thought you were gonna say the other ones in that era brought it down. And I was like, no, they don't really. I mean, kind of, but like, eh. I think Home on the Range, Meet the Robinsons aren't like great. Dinosaur and Fantasia 2000, Daniel, those bring them down. A lot. <laughs> you cannot argue with me there. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's right, Daniel. Dabba dabba <laughs> take a take a smell of that big old dinosaur crap. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Anyways, are uh, you ready to jump into the next segment? Uh, yeah. What we got? So I mean, we can either do quirky queries, TTT, or to draft. But I have nothing prepared. Do you have anything prepared? TTT. You have one. Kind of. So this is more kind of like a latest news thing because the AI. Because uh, everybody's been going off about AI. Okay, also, just so you know, this will be going out, like, in a month. Like, three weeks, so this might be old news at this point. Well, <laughs> well you never know. This is, like, edge new. It's, like, edging new. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, you know, also going on with AI, and now we have, like, uh, Midjourney, like, 5, or Dolly 5, yeah. whatever the fuck it was, all that. Well, that's pretty cool and all, but did you know that they're doing organic intelligence now? No. What do you mean? So what they're doing is they're using they've been using stem cell research to pretty much create things called uh, organoids, which are like little cellular based machines, pretty much that uh, they configure to have like a neuron type matrix, pretty much. And they're using it to train it to do things that AI does. So they're calling it OI, not AI. So it's like oh, geez. organic intelligence. And they already have it doing things like playing Pong. They're creating and it will, like, life. Come up- well, no, it's, it's, it brings in the question, like, 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 
it's not conscious, but like, right. It's like, how efficient can you be? Cause think of it like this, right? There's this computer. This is an analogy that all of the news reports keep on bringing up. There's a computer that they finally made uh, a couple of years ago. That's like matches the potential of a human brain, given like it's processing storage and speed. Uh-huh. Um, but that's like a whole warehouse dude. But something like this, think about the energy uses of that. It's, it's like how, how low energy like humans take, right? Uh, yeah. compared to like a whole warehouse. That's like, interesting. Imagine yeah. that with a scale of AI and now OI working together to like make organic machines. Yeah. That's going to be like crazy. So Yeah, dude. That's where things Dang. are going and it's it's going to be really weird. It's going to be really interesting. Weird. Cool. All right, are you ready to jump into the next segment, patron shoutouts? Uh yeah, hit me with them. Key the Stars music. Boosh, got Patreon, Lori, Frank, Rick, Lisa, Evan, Tony. Thank you so much for watching the tier. Thanks for the shout. If you like the supporters over on Patreon, link is down in the description. With the audio episode early, special comments, cool works, all that jazz, and more. Thank you seriously, sincerely to our Patreon supporters. Uh, we really do appreciate you. Are you ready for cool comments? Yeah, what we got this time? I do not have one prepared because we recorded very recently. Uh, so on our... This was actually from a few weeks ago, but we're recording it right after we posted post, posted posted our Shazam two review. Um, oh, Josh, Mac, Josh McIntyre commented, um, <laughs> "I would like to." No, this is actually a good comment. Josh McIntyre okay, commented, okay. "I would like to formally thank the both of you for going through the painful task of watching this movie, so I don't have to." <laughs> Love the episode. So thank you, Josh. That made me laugh, and it, that, it obviously that, just made Daniel that, laugh too. Oh my god, you're welcome. No, that makes me feel better, dude. Speaking of Moana, what can I say except you're welcome? You're welcome. <laughs> but dude, no, did you? I forget if you mentioned it on the podcast, but uh, I know we talked to the boys about it the one time where, like, after the movie, I called you up. Like the movie yeah. finished, I'm still we, in my we seat. We did, we did call, talk yeah. about it last on the podcast, but we can. Oh it's been a few weeks, God. but yeah, you called. It was so funny. You called me. You were like, <laughs> "I'm like, do I need uh, to stay for the credits?" But there was like, like so much more anger in your voice. You're like, "Do I?" To, like you call me. They didn't even like say. I was like, "Hey, you're like, do I have to stay for the post credits?" And I was like, "What?" And I was like, "You're like, do I have to stay?" Like, are, are there post credits? You said, "Are there post credits?" And I was like, "Yes." And you're like, "Do I have to stay for them?" And I was like, I, "What do you mean?" Like, we we have a podcast where we talk about that stuff. Like, I would prefer if you did. You're like, okay. And I was like. About to say, like, I mean, if you need to go, and then you just hung up. And I was like, okay. (laughs) They're resetting everything anyway, so I'm like, what's the point? So, yeah. yeah. It was was a movie, as we keep on saying. It was a movie. I think there are decent elements to it, but, like, I will never go back and watch it again. It was a movie. Yes. All right. Um, I don't know what we're doing next week. I think this might be towards the end of our... When I was, like, getting ahead for my friend to come out. So we might be doing something different when... This comes out, so I don't want to make any promises. I will talk to you later. Sh- or not, yeah, not you. What? what? Are you getting <laughs> off the Discord? Wait, wait do you want to, <laughs> sorry, do you want to do the introduction? Yeah, tell me when. When? Oh my god, you gotta keep that in now. Uh, we just got done talking about what we want to talk about, now we're done. <laughs> Thank you so, so much for listening. I actually just checked the calendar. I think either next week or the following is like the last Mandalorian episode, so I figured we could do like a Mandalorian season three review. Oh yeah, dude, we need to talk about that. Yeah, oh. so it's still coming out when we're recording this, oh. but this should be done soon when this has been posted. So subscribe for that. Keep an eye out for that. We'll be back next time. Goodbye. Bye.